Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, oh yeah, it's my favorite day of the week, all 22 Tuesday. We'll go to the film room and break down the 20-7 victory over New England, plus we'll provide context to the numbers and advanced metrics. We'll scan the social, we'll get snap counts, and we'll hear from head coach Mike McDaniel Busy episode from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's Miami Dolphins. So it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm pretty busy in-game firing off tweets, putting together a radio show outline, my podcast takeaways, and organizing thoughts in general as part of the duties of the job. And the reason... I'm telling you this and that I have three different avenues and platforms of coverage that I do on Sundays is because I went to bed on Sunday night upset with myself because I don't think I mentioned Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle in the Sunday recap podcast. I talked about them a lot on radio and on Twitter and seemingly everywhere else, but somehow they didn't get notes on the podcast That's bad, that's on me, and I'm going to make up for it today. I want to just go ahead and get ahead of that, and we'll start here with the offensive All-22 review, talking about the impact of these two receivers and some stats that I have for you in the Pro Football Focus slash next-gen review here later on in the podcast. Let's go ahead and start with the film, though, and the snap counts, I should say, as the Dolphins had four offensive players go wire to wire. Liam Eikenberg, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, and Tua Tungavailoa all played all 60 snaps. Teron Armstead missed two snaps. He played 58. Greg Little played 45 snaps. That was 75% of the workload. Austin Jackson, 14, and Rob Jones, three snaps. At receiver, Waddle and Hill played 40 apiece. Cedric played 28. Sherfield 31. River Craycraft, 10. At running back, Chase Edmonds had 38. Raheem had 25. And Alec Ingold had 22 snaps. And then among tight ends, Durham Smythe, 38. Mike Kosicki, 25. Hunter Long, 12. And Seathan Carter, 1. So a really balanced effort there. Offensive line had to go deep into the bench for some of that stuff because of the injuries. That's why you got to build a team full of depth, and they found a way to get this job done despite those injuries accruing at that spot. As far as the offensive tape and just some general takeaways, I sure do love this offense, man. There are so much action where you kind of sell the run and you get the defense to believe it. You have to, right? Where you have pulling guards to simulate that run action, keeping those eyes of those linebackers guessing, giving them all sorts of eye candy to follow around. Just a really fun structured offense that makes things look the same and then builds wrinkles off of them and just forces guys to be on their keys and be sharp with their eyes on top of the speed they have to defend. It could be, it could be, a deadly combination going forward. And I felt like they really stole some yards in this game under, or as far as with design and the usage of getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers. Some extensions of the running game. Three wide receiver rush attempts produced 20 yards. Eight for Jalen, eight for Cedric, six for Tyreek. An 18-yard screen pass, a now route, stand up, 
throw that thing out there against the Patriots' dime defense, and you get a good block from Trent Sherfield off the edge to pick up 18 yards. A lot of it looks the same. You get that orbit motion, that receiver running back behind the quarterback and running back. You can go weak or strong. You can pull your split flow action with a tight end. You can pull a guard. It's just a lot to prepare for. And I'm watching this tape from like a Ravens perspective, for instance, and just keep thinking, we're going to have some long nights this week because we have so much to get ready for. There was a play action pass to Durham Smythe where the personnel is Sherfield, Craycraft, Smythe, Wilson, and Edmonds. A great grouping to run from, right? So they get jet motion after shifting Smythe from a a wider split in tight to the formation. You get the flow off of play action and Tua steps up out of some pressure where Chase can then get in there and pick up that last blitzer inside. And then Smythe gets behind the second level because the linebackers have their eyes on the running game. It's just a lot of that instances where you use the flow of the defense against them and kind of, it's kind of like what we talk about with offensive line versus defensive line. A lot of it is trying to get a guy leaning one way and then snap back the other way. Similar concepts here on the offense. The Patriots played tons of cover three in this game. That's where you have one defender covering a deep third portion of the field. So left, middle, and right. And they really focused on those crossers and over routes with the curl flat guy getting depth from that backside, which is your guy that covers, you know, flat routes or the potential five, 10 yard hook zone. And then you get more depth for those 15, 20 yard overs. Good work by the Patriots to get that taken care of because that style lends itself to a lot more underneath throws. But Miami still found a way to push the ball and produce one of the highest average yards per pass play this weekend across the National Football League. So the design, the structure of it, I think has so much room to to grow from here and go from here. You had about a half of football that was really feeling out each other offensively and defensively. And then you saw some more of that kind of take off late in that second quarter. As far as the individuals go, we'll start with Tua Tungavailoa here in his all 22. There was, I think, four or five plays where I wrote down, like, that's something you want to probably get back in terms of a negative or a potential, you know, turnover-worthy play or disaster play, but the rest of it was also solid. The first play of the game brings up plenty of talking points, and it seemed bad or at least weird, and I was convinced that Tua thought Tyreek was going to settle into the hook zone there, but the football gets tipped by Matt Judon. He gets, I think, his thumb. You see him reach around, and you see the ball nosedive after it goes by him, and it makes me think that he got that thumb on it, and the reason that Tyreek was running wide open downfield was that Tua actually pumps his shoulders to Ingold over in the flat, and that not only pulled the cover three cornerback up, He winds up slipping and falling because he tries to get back to depth and he can't stay on his feet. So I thought that was really sharp by Tua all game to move defenders. More on that here in just a second. I thought his involvement in the running game, you know, this is something you're not going to hear a lot of breakdowns from in terms of outside of coaches talking, right? But he checked into favorable run counts and he executes his fake so well, had that one good hard count that got the Patriots offsides for an automatic first down on fourth down. And, you know, speaking of the running game, The big negatives and losses, and this probably goes back in the offensive category, but it's here in my notes, was the safety or the rat in the hole, pulling the trigger and getting down past the blocks and coming in clean. You had both Kyle uh, Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips, both very good in that regard, kind of like Brandon Jones and Javon Holland. Uh, Back to Tua. I liked the decision to go to Ingold on the wheel. He had Tyreek deep with the mailbox up saying, hey, I'm open right here, but I don't know if he had time with the pressure in his face to make that throw because you had Ingold with a step on Jawan Bentley 
And that's a speed matchup that favors you based upon the way those guys ran back at their combines, right? But it looked like Ingle drifted a little bit and couldn't quite get to the football. It's a tough bang-bang play, but I liked the decision overall. Later, there was a third and seven conversion to Chase Edmonds that was so nice. You see Waddle remove that flat corner. It's that brotherhood route we talk about where you have to run your routes a certain way to sell the concept of the passing game. And it gets the flat corner to go deep and Edmonds goes right to that vacated spot and Tua interrupts his drop because he sees an unblocked man coming up the A-gap, which is, by the way, the quickest route to the quarterback. So to be a free A-gap runner on third and seven with a completion and a first down, that is big, big, big time stuff. He gets it done there. Plenty of examples of Tua using his eyes and body position to move that defense. Mentioned the opening play. They hit a slant on the last drive of the first half to Tyreek, where he clears that curl flat defender by looking out to the flat, and you see him take the cheese and take steps that direction, and all that does is clear up that little hook zone for Tyreek to run that slant route into. The throw where the Patriots dropped the pick was the one moment where I was like, don't do that, man. Like, eat the sack. Get rid of it. Do something else. They did so well to keep getting depth on that backside for those crossers, and I think that there were some split-second decisions where Tua wanted to throw it but thought better of it, except for in this instance, some indecision caused a near pick. So we'll talk about his game some more on the stats, but I thought... On balance, it was a good game, but there's more to be had there for Tua, and I believe he'll get that. Uh, Running backs, Chase Edmonds, man, he just doesn't get squared up, and it allows him to maximize his yardage, and his work in the passing game was absolutely awesome. What a weapon this guy is. The balance on that catch on the final drive was so stupid good. I just love, love, love his game. That Texas route in the fourth quarter where they tried to chip him and he winds up kind of ducking that shoulder then folds it back inside, back to the quarterback. Such an asset in the passing game. And by the way, his pass protection was fantastic. He told me when I first met him on the podcast, I'm going to die in that pocket with you, Tua. And he was out there getting it done in pass pro all day. Raheem Mostert had some nice rips as well, especially those last couple of runs on that last drive. And of course, the big play in the passing game at receiver Tyreek, man, he opens up so much and you see the complete nature of his game, right? You need two yards in that first drive, third and two, get him in a one-on-one look with motion, rips off the speed out, the football's right there to move the chains. They went back to that later in the game. And I'm going to talk about this here in a second, the same route to the other side of the field and they couldn't connect on it. We'll come right back to that. There was the, the play down the field where, Tyreek was open and threw the mailbox up. Would have required like a legendary throw, like 60 yards off his back foot with pressure in his face. But it shows you again that this guy can get vertical on looks that don't allow vertical type of, you know, routes. Uh, That motion to the comeback, on the comeback route where he got 23 yards and like five yards separation. He motions from the other side of the field, comes over, and it keeps the cornerback moving, but also gives him like a 10-yard cushion with a free release and a running start from Tyreek and you just see off the snap the 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 respect that his speed commands as Jonathan Jones like gets vertical right away and that allows Tyreek to actually turn him around not once but twice and come back to the football and right when he's out of that break there's the ball from Tua so good stuff there and his ability to just erase angles and the games it plays with your eyes on tape I can only imagine how the defense feels when they have to get him taken care of in the screen game they threw him a flat early and a screen late where he had no possible angle, but he just takes that acceleration step and he wins the angle. 
I'm not sure what the thought was on his 26-yard reception in terms of the pass, but what a play that was. Just stole the ball. That's why Tyreek is elite and, for my money, the best receiver in football. It's not just speed. It's not selling his routes in a way that creates more space than even his jitterbug skills allow for. It's making contested catches. It's the entire complement of his game. Just absolutely unreal. I did think there was two balls he'd want back. The final drive of the first half, Tua puts a ball right into a pocket between a trio of Patriots defenders after he did what I talked about, where he moves the coverage with his eyes and body position, and Tyreek goes up one-handed, but I thought if he just ran through it, he could have made that catch. Then there's the dig on that fourth quarter play where he's going to the ground. He usually catches that, but you know he said after the game that he, he thought he could have caught that, and then also that he drifted a little bit on that third down miss at the start of the fourth quarter where he kind of runs his out route and drifts backwards into the defense a little bit. I thought that gave Jonathan Jones a chance to make a play on it because he was successful earlier on. Tyreek was, couldn't make the play here. So that one, a couple of drop passes, but those were three plays out of 40 for Tyreek that were so good. And the one route that he didn't really run with his typical crispness, Man, the acceleration this guy has, we saw it on the screen. And by the way, on that screen, the block by Trent Sherfield, 10 out of 10, he also made a catch on the sideline that was so tough. You need a lot of guys like Trent Sherfield, such a perfect receiver to round out this room. Jalen Waddle, there were instances where he was open, but for whatever reason, we just couldn't get him the ball. Like a little bit slower developing routes where the ball is out before he gets out of his break and the protection maybe isn't there. And then he started getting the ball. And the first catch coming right before the two-minute warning in that first half, and he just went to work after that. It's a slot fade potential conversion route where you bring it to a comeback. And what a route it was to keep the DB upfield, get those, those hips flipped upfield, you hammer down, come back to the quarterback, and keep that DB on your back because it's a far hash throw. You have to keep him pinned back there so he can't jump it. And you earn the trust of your quarterback by doing that. Really good stuff there, and it continues to speak to the route-running ability of both Tyreek and Jalen as these guys that are billed as speed receivers. No, they are complete, complete receivers, and we saw that on Sunday. Let's go ahead and break down his touchdown. You get Jalen, he's the two to the field, which means he's the second furthest out receiver. Cedric is the one, the furthest out receiver, and he motions to bunch where you put those guys together, and it creates communication errors for the Patriots, and favorable leverage for Waddle inside, who flies off the football going from what was press, but now because of the bunch, they're soft and they're off, and he just takes off, and you press the toes of that soft coverage before you attack that inside shoulder. You see the, the DB kind of opens his inside gate, which gives him that inside leverage. It creates this little pocket between those Patriots defenders, and the ball is out right on time, right on money, and Tua also once again sold to the flat to create that space. And with the ball not forcing Jalen to break stride one iota, that's where the world-class speed shows up. That's where the accuracy, I mean, it, did it not look like Alabama? I heard for years that he couldn't make those throws in the pros. They just did for 42 yards and a touchdown and pretty much the play that put the game away. So one false step by the safety coming downhill and he's gone. On that play, by the way, Greg Little, Rob uh, Hunt, and Liam Eichenberg all stonewalled their rushers to give Tua a perfectly clean pocket. I had one note on Cedric Wilson, the way he comes back to the football on the play right before the Waddle touchdown, the play before the play, right? High-level stuff. Come back to the quarterback, and you earn that trust from your quarterback. I thought all three of those guys said uh, Tyreek and Jalen, but also you know Sherfield, all really showed that trust with their quarterback to come back to the ball and make plays for him. On the offensive line, Teron Armstead is so stinking good. 
he was lights out. The way he shortens the runway and varies his pass sets just kept that edge clean all afternoon. On the sack right before the big play to Jalen, Teron recognizes his guy peeling back in coverage, so he comes all the way across the formation and dang near saves the day to get that backside block, but he just couldn't quite get there because it happened so fast. But he just does so much things that impress you. Then go watch the last play of the game before the victory formation. He drives his man a gap and pancakes him. What a Dolphins debut, my goodness. I thought Connor Williams' debut was excellent. He did some really good stuff in space and doesn't lose sight of those DBs as you'll often see when the big offensive line gets out in space. He just squares them up and takes two guys to the ground on the perimeter on a Tyreek screen and a Jalen Waddle end around. He is awesome, man. He really is a big factor on those types of plays. And he was also sturdy as hell in pass pro with a strong anchor. The only real negative I had was the first snap of the game. But man, he and Tehran were as advertised. Uh, let's go back upwards here towards Liam Eichenberg. I thought he had some really good eyes in processing on that Tyreek comeback where he didn't chase the slant across his face and kept his feet moving and got back into position to pick up the other twist from the stunt game up front. And then he comes back uh, the next snap and hits a reach block to move Devon Godshaw a gap. I thought fundamentally there's a lot to like there with his game. The hand placement, his feet were never in a hurry. He stayed patient to try to turn guys out of their gaps. I did think he fell off some blocks, though. So there's some improvements across the board to make for this offensive line. Big Rob Hunt, the first big run of the day, he gets the second level. And man, he blocked out the sun. This dude's going to have some highlight reel second level blocks this year. Had one here. He gets a pancake later on that drive, a run that took us into the red zone, fired off low, and planted 93 for New England. Now the next play, 91, got him with a double swipe on the sack fumble on that first drive. An absolutely wicked move. Uh, he got a little bit over his skis a couple times, but that's, the, that's how it works. You're going to lose some snaps. Check out him on Alec Ingold's first down run. He fires off the ball before anybody else and blows the one tech two or three yards off the football. Thought Austin Jackson had some good work in his minimal time, including one nice run block. Greg Little had some moments as well. But those are your offensive line notes. In total, there were obviously some wins by the Patriots. A couple times where guys could have held their blocks longer and some confusion at times with that tough scheme. But I thought it was a damn good start for this newish line learning a new system. And that tight end, Hunter Long, had a nice pop on a first down run in the third quarter coming over on split flow action where he sealed the backside. I thought he and Durham Smythe had a couple of nice blocks like that in the running game. Smythe had a great pickup on that split action on, on a play action pass in the fourth quarter, the completion to Waddle where he takes out the legs of that free runner and gave Tua a clean pocket to throw the football from between that trio of defenders. Another one of Tua's nicer throws of the day. And then Smythe had some really good blocks, uh, a lead block, I should say, on Raheem Mostert's big run in that fourth quarter. That's your offense. Good showing, lots of creativity. I think plenty of meat on the bone. And how about that Miami defense? We'll do that next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's a Tuesday here on the Drive Time Podcast, and that means we're going a little bit long today. The All-22 always gets about 35 minutes out of me, and then we also have stats and coaches presser. Let's get to the defense right away here. Snap counts. Javon, Jerome, Brandon, and X 
all played every snap, all 57. Nick Needham played 56, just off the field for one of those. Up front, Zach Sealer, 44. Christian Wilkins, 41. Emmanuel Ogba, 40. Raekwon Davis, 36. Good work from those guys. Shows you their conditioning. John Jenkins also got 10 snaps. Jalen Phillips played 40 snaps. Alandon Roberts played 36. Melvin Ingram played 32. Duke played 20. And Van Ginkle off the appendicitis, 7 snaps. Cater Kohu played 18, Keon Crossan 16, and Elijah Campbell played 4. So I mentioned this a bunch, so I don't have to rehash it, I don't think. But the mixture of coverage and rush and the mix matching that Josh Boyer did was so good. That last point, though, they made a halftime adjustment. Remember the Patriots, the majority of their yards came early in the game and that touchdown drive in the second half, a lot of that through the ground game, but they flipped Ogba to the right side playing more snaps over there per pro football focus in a game than he ever has down here. And that coincided with the run game of the Patriots getting very stacked up. They ran 11 times in the second half for 37 yards. And on the final nine runs, just 22 yards. And that's in a game where the situation up by two or three scores, you would think there would be some more room in the running game, but there wasn't. I thought early on the Patriots and Mac Jones did a good job taking what was there. That paired with a strong run game kind of got Miami on the back foot a little bit on the back heel. But then you call upon X to stop the bleeding and swing the momentum immediately. And that's just what he did. It really felt like a filling out period early in the game. They showed some pressure looks, but would back out. And the pass pro held up for Mac Jones. And he would let it develop and take checkdowns from there for some decent catch and run yardage. Thought the plan was awesome. Thought the execution was too. But even with the great results, I think it could be even better. Let's go ahead and highlight some individuals and start there with that play by X. First, I want to highlight Javon running to the football. You fly to the football, good things are going to happen. He comes from the far hash, and there is the payoff to get that tip by Xavier Howard. Now, with X, just an example of where he's so dang good. Press coverage, no contact, just mirrors the wide receiver, and then he gains ground on top of Parker when he takes that crossover step once he sees Parker commit to the takeoff route, and that's where the rep is, is won. If Parker gets on top of him there, easier window for, for Mac Jones to throw to, but he doesn't, so now he's pinned to the sideline and then from there that causes Parker to engage X first which then allows him to jockey for position because once that receiver goes hands-on it's a little bit fair game for the DB to do the exact same thing and that's exactly what X does so well he's just going to push you into that sideline throws the hand up pops it up and there's Javon Holland what a way to start the season for those two you know one pro bowler and one future pro bowler for my money the rest of X's game was more of the same they just didn't go after him and Javon Holland too I talked about it on the Sunday podcast Once he goes, man, he goes. And it's the same working downhill in the running game as it is vertical or sideways, whatever direction you want him to go. Pure instincts with a first step and straight line speed. It just allows him to play faster, a step faster than what you'd expect even from his best contemporaries out there in the league. He's so quick. He's so adept at recognizing where the route might clear behind that second level. Like you get you know, Baker, Roberts, Ingram dropping 10 yards off the ball. And then that receiver kind of clears in behind that second level. He is right there to close that down immediately. In fact, there's a scramble play by Mac Jones in the second quarter where Myers does come clean in that second level, but Holland took it away after like a 10th of a second. Really good stuff. Jerome Baker, man, he seems to fall into this category a lot where his box scores don't do his work justice. He plays a lot of positions in this defense off the edge, stack linebacker. He just plays so patient with his run fits and helps put other guys in positions to make plays. You often see him ready to scrape around a stack 
where, you know, Sealer or Wilkins stacks things up at the point of attack, and it changes the decision-making of the back who will bubble or bend it back. Just watch him on some plays where the backs wind up, you know, stretching it and then bending it back. A lot of that has to do with 55 being right where he needs to be. And then real quick, tip of the cap to the Patriots on the third and 12 screen call on that opening drive. Perfect call against Miami's pressure back out rotate look. That happens sometimes. Coaches and players get paid to on the other side. They had a good call there. How good was Melvin Ingram? His open field tackling where he breaks down, stays square to the ball carrier, and just gets him to the ground. The way he dents the line in the running game, being in constant good position and coverage, changing the eyes of the line as a rusher to create chances for all these rush games we do up front. What a debut. And by the way, a a scoop and score, one-handed palm with a no-gloves look. (laughs) He's a classic throwback, man. He made some plays in this game. Emmanuel Ogba was exceptional. The sack is kind of what we talk about with the defensive structure. There's a late shift on the defensive line that confuses the Patriots and it just turns Emmanuel Ogba free in the B-gap, which is always going to be a loss for the offense. The play on that max scramble on second, uh, in the second quarter for a third and 12, where he plays through a double team, spins out and retraces and makes the play. This dude's so good, stacking things up in the running game, rushing the quarterback. Great, great season debut. Christian Wilkins gets on the board, the tackle for loss early, where it's pure quickness running across the face of his man. He also made a play on a backside run, like away from him, that three-tech position, where he surfs down the line and makes the play out by the numbers. He is so freaking good. He also got in there again on the Patriots' touchdown drive and shut down a play where both he and Van Ginkle, again with quickness, one across the face, and then Cater Kohu comes in and cleans it up. His buddy, Zach Sealer, his eye discipline, grip strength, two-gap ability, man, he shuts down a second-quarter run where he just absolutely manhandles this guy, plays down the line play side, sees the back bend it back, and then uses those eyes and grip strength to chuck his man and gets right where he needs to be, where he and Melvin Ingram clean that run up. There was a snap in the third quarter where Sealer was the first guy off the snap and beats his man across the face for another short yardage stuff right in the backfield. Goodness, that is some good stuff for him. He also you know, had no business swatting down that Mac Jones pass because he reads the quarterback and then works up off the outside shoulder of the tackle threw that big mitt up there and got the ball to the ground. And then finally, a swim move on a third and two stuff late in the fourth quarter <laughs> was such a crazy good play. Christian takes on a double team in the middle and Sealer gets a one-on-one, swims over the guard, takes advantage of that pile up by Christian Wilkins. Those two guys are so good. And Raekwon Davis had made some plays as well. There were some reps where I'm like, all right, 98, I haven't seen that before, where he walked guys back, played down the line, got chances at the nose tackle position, but also various positions up and down the line. Sure do like some of the flashes that he showed. Moving into the secondary, Brandon Jones. I mean, this is in the notes almost weekly since 2020. The dude plays so fast, and it's a combination of his prep and physical talents. You saw it come to fruition on the strip sack. You see the slot motion away, and then Jones converts to what we call a green dog if he's a linebacker. Because he's a safety, it's called just a blitz. But he times it perfectly, makes the pop, changes the game. I broke that play down on a Sunday podcast. So I want to go ahead and look at the very next play by him. It's a cover three look for the Dolphins. And it's, again, everyone in the deep third as far as your deep coverage goes. And if you know how that works, that usually comes with a four-man cloud underneath. Unless you blitz a guy, they did not. So you have seven in coverage, four-man rush. This is one of my biggest pet peeves in football. When you make this type of call and guys just stand in their area, despite no one being there, they just cover grass. But Jones sees that no one's threatening the flat. There's no back or tight end to that side of the formation. So he gets depth and undercuts a route that I cannot imagine Mac Jones thought there was any chance 
Somebody would peel out and get there. He's thinking easy completion, cover three defender, has his butt to the sideline. We're good to go. Nope, not so fast. Jones gets back there, dang near picks it off. And then Landon Roberts actually does the exact same thing on that play in the middle of the field on Hunter Henry. So these guys are being coached up well and executing it well. There's a play in the third quarter where the tight end motions away from Jones, and so he shifts to covering him to just firing into that B-gap and makes a run stuff. The knowledge to quickly change based upon the motion is high level. This guy is really intelligent, man. Nick Needham, he had good coverage on that long ball the Patriots hit, and that was a third of the yardage that PFF tabbed for him, allowing in coverage. Tough ask to cover the slot fade, and he was right there, but a good job by the Patriots to get a complete Needham, uh, you know, Changing his role. That's what he does often here, and he makes it makes it work. Cater Kohu, man, that first run stuff just shows you this is not too big for him. Staying on the outside shoulder, closing ground, then sees it, fires up, makes the play. What an impressive debut from him. Then the big stick on the force fumble, too. Great game from the rookie. And then how about Duke Riley rotating out of the backside on that pressure look to get to the number two on the other side of the formation, runs his butt off downhill or downfield, I should say, and gets the pass breakup. So impressive. And it's a shame too, because Javon might've had a play on that ball. Just a case of making too good of a play, I guess. <laughs> All right, that's, we're going to go ahead and end it right there for the second segment here. We'll take our last break and come back and do the scan the social. We'll get some numbers for you guys and hear from coach McDaniel. That's next on the drive time podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield brought to you by auto nation. Doesn't it just feel so good to be back doing the All-22 review? I think it is. I love the off-season speculation, theorizing, and the creativity that comes with putting together these podcasts in the off-season. But I also love the formulaic nature of the in-season show that just inundates the audience with every piece of information we can. What a time to be alive as we have the tape, but also the advanced metrics, and that's what we'll do now. I want to make some... uh, I do want to make Scan the Social a thing here. And as I'm putting together the show notes, I don't have anything right now, but if something sparks my interest while piecing this together, we'll come back and do it. Let's go ahead and start at numbers from the quarterback. This is before the Monday night football game, which obviously can change these rankings by you know a maximum of two spots for guys. We'll see if Russell Wilson and Geno Smith can change that spot or two, but still pretty dang good. Tua ended Sunday, the eighth highest rated passer, 104.4, the sixth best yards per attempt, 8.2. That was consistently around low sixes last year. 8.2 is a big jump. Eighth best completion percentage over expected, a next-gen stats number, 2.9%. Fifth best adjusted yards per pass attempt at 8.8. Seventh best net yards per attempt, that includes sacks, 6.72 yards. Fifth best QBR, 78.3 out of 100. Sixth best EPA at 6.2, and he was one of nine quarterbacks without a turnover. In the game, under pressure, 6 for 10, 65 yards. When blitzed, 9 for 15 with 87 yards. He was 17 of 23 when kept clean with 205 yards and a touchdown pass and 14 of 18 with 183 and the touchdown when not blitzed. With play action, 9 for 16, 109, but without 14 for 17 for 161 and a touchdown. He was 2 for 5 on throws, 20-plus yards down the field for 49 yards. And the big jump here in the intermediate portion of the field, 4 for 6, in the 10 to 19 yard range with 80 passing yards and a touchdown pass combined throws over 10 yards. Thought he couldn't do it. Six for 11, 129 and a touchdown pass and a 126.7 passer rating. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What do I know? Running backs. 
Wasn't a lot there in terms of yardage created or after contact. I think part of this is just that our guys didn't really have that track to get opened up on. But Raheem Mostert led the way with 3.4 yards after contact. Their damage was done in the passing game, though, as we mentioned. Mostert, 14 yards after the catch, after forcing two missed tackles as a receiver. Edmonds also forced two missed tackles as a receiver and picked up four grabs, averaging 6.3 yards a yak. At the receiver tight end position, Waddle, 7.8 yak. 2.46 yards per route run. That's 10th in the NFL right now. 4.7 yards over expected on Yak. That's first in the NFL. And 13.8 yards per target is also very, very good. Uh, Tyreek, 5.3 Yak average. 3.03 yards per route ran. That's fifth in the NFL. He's plus 2.3 Yak over expected. That's eighth. So Waddle first, Hill seventh or eighth in yak yards over expected, and then 7.83 yards per target. They both clocked top 10 speeds per next-gen. Waddle fifth at 20.8 miles per hour on his touchdown, and Tyreek went 20 flat MPH on his 18-yard screen. Their average depth of targets were 9.4 and 9.5. Wilson caught both of his targets for 20 yards, and Durham Smythe caught uh, one of his two targets for 14 yards. On the offensive line, 11 total QB pressures, one apiece for Armstead, Williams, and Hunt. Armstead and Williams, the two newcomers, both had pass-blocking efficiency marks of 98.6. They tabbed Greg Little with four pressures and Liam Eichenberg with three in the game. Tua had a 2.76 time-to-throw average. That would have been a season high in 2021. Part scheme, part execution, but the bottom line there, giving your quarterback more time to find these dynamic playmakers we just talked about. Defensively, Ogba led the way with two pressures. Brandon Jones and Duke Riley both had one. Mac Jones had the fourth fastest time to throw in football, so clearly they were focused on getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Run stops, Ogba had four. Kohu and Brandon Jones had three apiece. Sealer, Baker, and Ingram had two apiece. And then Nick Needham, Christian Wilkins, Keon Cross, and Landon Roberts, and Xavier Howard all had one. 21 total run stops in this game. Very good. And those numbers just don't do it justice on some of these performances, and that will happen on defense. But Ingram was a beast. Two run stops, no pressures. The 10 coverage snaps resulted in negative three yards. Speaking of that, all these numbers are pretty dang good right here. Cater Kohu, 14 coverage snaps, no yards allowed. Xavier Howard, 34 coverage snaps, no yards allowed. Uh, Javon Holland, 33, no yards allowed. Jerome Baker, these guys will typically give up more because the checkdowns and stuff. Baker, 33 coverage snaps, 24 yards allowed. Brandon Jones, 31 coverage snaps, 22 yards allowed. And then Nick Needham was a guy they went after a lot in this game, the most targets by far. 34 coverage snaps, 96 yards. What a game. Hey, guess what? I came up with a scan to social, and it'll be brief, but here it is. One complaint I saw on social was the mention of, oh, just 13 points for the offense. But that's why we love context, right? Now, you heard Coach and Tua both talk about it on the podcast. There were mistakes. There are corrections you have to make. But there also isn't a team out there not saying the exact same thing. What I want to look at <coughs> excuse me, is the fact that there was a very uncommon football game out here for 2022. You typically get 10 to 12 possessions as an offense per game. That's been baseline for a while now. The Dolphins had seven on Sunday, eight if you include the drive that results in victory formation. And with a pair of kneel downs in the red zone, that would have to be at least three points, if not seven more, right? But that's the kind of game these two typically play. I mean, going back to Tua's rookie season, when he had three second-half drives in the game, Dolphins scored points in all of them. Josh Boyer told us in his press conference last week there's probably 95% crossover between these two defensive schemes. What have the Patriots done for two decades? Regardless of where they finish in total defense, 
Their scoring defense is almost always top five, if not top 10. They limit explosives. They maybe give a little more against the run than they do to protect the pass. And they play damn good red zone defense. Well, that's what you got here. Two teams playing the same style. Neither team ran 60 plays in this game. The Dolphins had drives of 47, 45, 92, 50, and 52 yards. Their starting field position, the minus 28, minus 6, minus 8, minus 26, minus 19, minus 10 midfield, and the minus 37 yard line. So they had to go the full field on almost every drive. So there are opportunities for more. Certainly there are. But I think the context is important to understand the type of football game you're in, taking what the defense gives you, and playing according to the situation. I love numbers as much as anybody, but using them void of context and as the baseline of an argument is really, really shortchanging the process. That's all. Quick one this week. Let's go ahead and finish up with some sound bites from Coach Mike McDaniel's Monday press conference. He was asked about Austin Jackson's injury, and he did say that Jackson stayed in uniform and could have gone back into the game in an emergency situation, but also said the Dolphins do more tests to, dis- to determine the severity of that injury. So TBD on Austin Jackson. And speaking of the offensive line, Coach evaluated his O-line's performance in week number one. I saw a, 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 a line that um, is young in the season. In terms of, I saw some really good stuff. There was there was some really good um, plays made by the line. The one thing about offensive line play is you can't take um, advantage of really good things by some players unless everyone is in concert. So the the really what happened to me in the game was that. Uh, when players were making plays on the um, on the offensive line in the run game specifically, um, there was a couple players that were hair off, and that's when you're going against a team that plays physical like New England that was um, definitely emphasizing stopping the run. Um, your results aren't what you want, um, and it, I saw the same thing in the pass game. There were some really cool um, uh, protection um, clips from and, and plays made by. Um, really everyone across the board, but then there was some miscues that were either, um, you know, just rule-oriented or, you know, we had um, a, a halfback uh, miss a protection here or there. So ultimately, um, I, w- I was pleased with it, um, and it kind of, I wasn't that surprised um, just just knowing the, the level of detail the Patriots bring forth and um, they, they play heavy up front, and um, if you're off a little bit um, at one spot, it doesn't look um, the greatest. So um, I was pleased with where we're at, um, but that's, um, that's assuming and going under, uh, operating under the assumption that we're going to continue to get better. So it wasn't far from where I, where I pictured, and um, I, I, no confidence has been lost on my end. And I think once you get some of those things hammered out, you might have some of those gaps that we talked about all offseason where these explosive backs can take advantage. Next, I asked Coach about the game plan and adjustments of Josh Boyer and his defensive staff and how impressed he was coming out of that. Here's Coach. Um, yeah, I, was, I was very happy with it. I was happy with uh, uh, where they were focusing um, and, and their, uh, their overall game plan was, was pretty good, I thought. Um, there was some some things that we were trying to get done in the second half um, that uh, you know there's ultimate accountability that we try to we try to preach and to their credit the players are saying hey we could have got that done 
And, um, you know, the coaches are saying, well, you know, we probably uh, didn't articulate it right. That's where, you know, for a game where they give up seven points and score seven points, um, you're very happy with the mindset of the whole unit. Um, and so I was, uh, after digesting the film I'm, and, and talking to all the guys, and uh, I'm very happy with our, where they're at and they're um, expecting to continually get better, which is what we all expect. And how about the film watching Tua and your reaction on Monday from QB1? I was happy with Tua because he uh, he he did a lot of things um, well, and then he got the taste of, um, there were some things that he wasn't that fired up about, but, uh, you know, this is a team thing. And, you know, there's a lot of things that me personally um, that that I told him, you don't, if you're, to do your position right in the National Football League, you can't be afraid to find things that you can do better at. And uh, there was there was several times that, you know, I think Tua was covering for me because I was getting the play in later than I would like. Um, those things I have no patience for for myself. And so, I, you know, I, I let the team know, I think, after the game and then um, as well as today, uh, and and you move forward with that. There are some things that I think he he's done in practice um, that he didn't do exactly the same in the game. Um, but over the course of an entire – I mean, you touch the ball every play. That's, that's to be expected. Um, what I really liked was that he – he made plays um, in each quarter because that's, to me, that's good quarterback play um, because you, the hardest thing is between your ears to deal with this position in the National Football League. You have all this stuff going on. You have high expectations for yourself and for the offense. And when it's not, you know, anytime you have a three and out or it's kind of hurt your jerky, um, you can get frustrated. And he um, – he found ways to make plays, um, even after plays that he was frustrated at, um, which a lot had to do with me. So we'll, together we'll keep uh, moving forward, and I'm excited to do so. There you have it. You can find Coach's entire press conference up on the YouTube channel. As for my time, going to be my time. I told you guys we go long here on these Tuesday podcasts, but I don't think anybody out there is going to complain. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice, as well as our Wednesday Twitter Spaces show every Wednesday, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Also, the YouTube channel for those media availabilities and Dolphins Today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Three takeaways written by yours truly up there as well. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Daddy is coming home.